Hello, everyone. This is JLF from Autobiology Bits, and welcome to lucky episode number seven, where I am talking to Dr. Jen Haley, a board-certified dermatologist who is going to answer all of my questions about skin and aging through the decades. This is part one of two, and we'll be starting with talking about babies, toddlers, and kids. And in the next episode, we'll finish up with teenagers and adults. So listen up, everyone. And get your questions ready. Welcome to Autobiology Bits, the podcast where you can hear real life biology stories from a quirky maven to help you become an expert on your own biology. If high school biology had been as interesting as this podcast, you might have become a doctor. Introducing Chief Autobiologist JLF. Here we are, everybody. I want to introduce you to my new favorite hero, Dr. Jen Haley. <laughs> Jen, say hello to everyone. Hello. Hello. Now, you guys, um, I am going to actually probably post uh, Dr. Jen's bio on our show notes because you have to read them. They're so impressive. But I am going to cover a few highlights today. Dr. Jen, she went to Cornell, which is where she got her Bachelor of Science in Biology and Nutrition. And then she went on to medical school at the F. Edward Hebert School of Medicine in Bethesda. Now, after that is this huge long list of awards. <laughs> and it's really impressive. And Jen, I got to know, which one's your favorite award, would you say? Gosh, there's so many. I would probably say my AOA award, just because it shows the consistency of effort that I put forth. I'd say my other one is the commendation award I got from the U.S. Capitol, because that was really special. And they made a point of bringing me in the room and telling uh-huh. me often given. So that's pretty unique for me. Now, after reading this, this is paragraph two of four. Then I read about how she was an officer in the United States Navy. And I was like, holy crap, that's, uh, that's amazing. Not only you know, as she has mentioned, she received a rare and prestigious letter of commendation uh, for her outstanding support of America's leaders, but she simultaneously was an associate professor of her medical school and the teaching staff for dermatology residents at the Bethesda Naval Medical Center and named head of the dermatology department in Pearl Harbor. So uh, I mean, lots of background here, um, but currently um, you are doing a bunch of other things. Uh, Since 2009, you've been in private practice doing a whole bunch of things in terms of both medical, cosmetic, and surgical dermatology. Now, the thing is, is Dr. Jen isn't just all about the skin. She's also about nutrition, fitness, and she uses all of these integrative techniques in her practice, which is one of the reasons that I love Dr. Jen and how we met actually um, during a biohacking conference, virtual, of course, in this in this year. And, and I think that that is the unique perspective that uh, she brings to our discussion today. And, um, you know, Jen, if you could just sum up for me, you know, if somebody says to you, you know, what do you think is the most important thing I can do for my skin? Yeah. I mean, it depends on where they are, what age they're at, you know, and, and what their issues are. But if it's someone our age, that's looking for, you know, cosmetic recommendations, I will typically tell them sunscreen is number one, you know, on the high real estate area, which is your face, your chest and your neck. 
and then maybe sweep the back of your hands with the leftover. And then I usually will recommend a vitamin C um, with, you know, antioxidants. Sometimes it has E bundled into it in the morning to protect from, you know, free radical damage and, and that sort of thing. And then retinols at night. So our skin has two very different roles and it's, it, it goes by a circadian rhythm. And in the daytime, it has um, more of a protective role. So you want to support that with antioxidants. And then at night, it has a repairing role. And that's why the circadian rhythm of, of your body and your skin, you know, it all falls in line and sleep is really important. And at night, you want to help renewing. So that's where the retinols and the vitamin A's come into play. So those are the top three that I would recommend for someone who's concerned about aging. But, you know, there's dry skin, there's all sorts of issues. So depending on some of these issues where I kind of go with my with my recommendations and that's topical. And then as far as internal, because our skin is just a reflection of our internal health, right? So this is my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> so internally, you know, everything really matters from the food you put in, our ma- in your mouth. And I'd say that's number one is the food that you choose to put in your mouth because your gut lining, and you know this very well based on your research, your gut lining is just an extension of your skin and kind of just keeps circling around, you know, from your mouth to your anus. And what you put inside your body will reflect on your skin. And sometimes that will show up as inflammation or uh, an immune imbalance with all sorts of different conditions, depending on what's going on inside. So looking at what you're putting inside your body is huge and very, very important. Uh, And then exercise because blood flow to the skin will help bring oxygen and nutrients. If you're eating great food, you're not going to have great skin if you don't have a good blood supply. So you need to have a good blood supply. So I recommend exercise. And then even the thoughts you have in your head will play a role on the way your skin looks. Because if you have stressful thoughts, angry thoughts, it really reflects, um, it it imbalances all of your hormones and it, it shows on your skin. Because as I said, your skin is just the largest organ of your body and it's really visible. So if you're having any issues, it's just a representation of what's going on inside. Exactly. And and what you're referring to is that gut brain skin connection, Um, you know, that the current research has really shown uh, without a doubt is, first of all, it's real, it happens, but it it goes both ways, right? It's, um, you know, if something is going on with your skin, it affects your gut. And if something's wrong with your gut, it affects your skin. And that's all mediated by the, the vagus nerve. Um, that goes up to your brain. So, uh, you know, and this is one of the things that you and I constantly talk about and bond on, um, because I really feel like, you know, if you can kind of get that gut skin brain connection going, then you're way better off. All right, let's pivot to um, some questions that people may have about the baby in the toddler years, right? Because baby skin is is so delicate and it's new and it's fresh. And I know uh, new parents often struggle with things like eczema and rashes and especially, oh my gosh, the first time that your baby gets a rash, you know, parents are freaking out and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, what are some things that parents should be um, doing or be aware of when it comes to baby skin? We're talking about healthy babies. So there's a lot of rare diseases and that's where my brain goes as a specialist that you don't want to ignore. So if something persists or it doesn't seem like diaper rash or eczema or a cradle cap, get it checked out and go to a board certified dermatologist. Um, but as far as, you know, the common issues like cradle cap, dry skin, eczema and diaper rash, just remember that less is more. So less is more with babies. Babies and actually children up to the age of eight don't need soap. 
So we over cleanse in our society. And I get weird looks when I tell people this. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they don't need soap. So water, lukewarm water and friction will remove all of the dirt from a baby. It's not until we start producing scent organs that we need soap under our arms, groin and feet, but we really never need it on our arms and our legs unless we're working with, uh, you know, oily paint or motor oil, something oily, because the way that soap works is it binds with the oils in the skin and pulls out the oils and strips the skin of its natural healthy skin barrier. So that predisposes somebody to eczema or, you know, any, any sort of uh, a barrier disruption kind of condition. So cut out the soap. That's my number one recommendation. Bubble baths are not really recommended even from a a urology perspective where, or a GYM perspective, because the, the soap can get into the urethra, which is sure. opening where the pee comes out and cause a lot of, lot of problems and pain and irritation from that. So cut out the soap. That's number one. And then like for diaper dermatitis, I usually will recommend after every diaper change, I don't like wipes and stuff. I usually just use water. I think it's, it's a lot better than all the chemicals we put on our babies. And, you know, the talcum powder that they use years ago, that's to cause GYN uh, cancers in women. So none of that's needed. I usually just recommend uh, Aquaphor or there's a product made out of the uh, Mayo Clinic. They changed the name. It used to be Vanapply and now it's Vanacream Moisturizing Ointment. And just coat the bottom of the baby's bottom every time after a diaper change. And that will just protect the baby from, you know, any feces or any urine that kind of piles up in the area to break away the, the skin barrier. And then you don't need anything else. Just keep it simple. Just coat it every single time. And as far as eczema, there's a lot of controversy out there as far as if eczema is associated with diet. I, I think it is, <laughs> you know, and it's hard to show in studies because you have to kind of control for every single thing. So just use your intuition as a mother. And if you feel, if you notice a pattern of something happening with your baby, take a look and, you know, don't, don't get obsessive where you uh, stop feeding them and they don't get their nutrition, but just be aware of some things that might be triggers for them. Um, and then I just recommend keeping a barrier of moisture on the skin. So when we look at eczema, it's really two things going on. One is an allergy in the skin and the other one is a disruptive skin barrier. How do you stop that cycle? Stop yeah. No, because soap is the number one irritant to the skin. So get the soap out because if there's no oily dirt on the skin, if there's no motor oil, no oil, what it does is it pulls out the normal, the natural oil from your skin. And then that causes little cracks in the skin. And then the cracks now allow allergens and all sorts of other things, infections to come into the skin. So you want to keep a healthy skin barrier. So no soap as soon as after bathing, you can take as many baths as you want. We used to say, don't bathe, you know, but now we know you can take as many baths as you want. If it's a child or as few as you want, three times a week is enough usually. But if you want to do every night as a routine, that's fine. As soon as you get out, I like a ceramide based moisturizing cream afterwards while the skin is still dewy and moist and you just coat yourself or the baby or both and put it on head to toe as soon as they get out of the tub while there's still a little moisture on the skin. And that, uh, you know, reseals the the healthy skin barrier, especially if there's ceramides in there, because we find that eczema prone skin has a deficiency in ceramides. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I learned some of this the hard way with my own daughter. Uh, we realized that she cannot; her skin just absolutely cannot deal with hand sanitizer yeah. at all. And uh, what happened was 
because, and this was in preschool actually, but it reared its ugly head again this year for obvious reasons, but they would just, you know, hand sanitize the crap out of the kids. And, um, it broke down the barrier so much in her hands that she actually got a fungal infection because there was no just, you know, normal flora of the skin left anymore. The protection of the the normal barriers were gone. And, uh, it took us probably three months to get that under control. It was, it was awful. Yeah. And hands are hard because we use them all the time. And when they're compromised, it's, it's really hard to keep ointment on there because, you know, you're trying to use them and it's, it's greasy and it's just, it's not compatible with functioning really. Um, yeah. And that just, you know, what you just mentioned is a perfect point in that when your barrier is disrupted, your skin is this amazing protective barrier between you and the outside world. It protects you from toxins. It protects you from infections. So when it's broken, like with your daughter, then she got a fungal infection that she wouldn't have gotten if the barrier was maintained. And we see this with um, burn patients. Mm. They all die from the burn. They die from infection because that barrier isn't there. So and dehydration as well, right? Because we keep our moisture in and don't let it out. Right. So now we've entered a, a little bit into the grade school year. So let's keep going on with that. Um, you know, the, the other problems that, you know, we have in our house, which is very true for a lot of people who have middle schoolers is the, the lick your lips rash <laughs> during the winter time. So Dr. Jen, what can we do about that? I know it's really hysterical. I see that quite a bit, you know, and it's such a, a clear pattern of wherever the tongue can reach around the mouth. And it looks just really shaved, basically. If you're someone who's ever gotten really bad windburn, mm-hmm. it's really shaved and it's just kids licking their lips. And, you know, obviously you try to break the habit. That's a lot. That's really hard. Uh, if it's super inflamed or itchy, then I worry about um, a little bit of overgrowth of yeast that can happen in areas of moisture. But for the most part, it's just because the skin, we call it an irritant contact dermatitis, sort of like we see on the diaper area or from the hand sanitizer. Right. Anytime there's irritation, it breaks down the skin barrier. So the, the saliva can do that as well. And um, I, I go back to that Vaniply or the Vanicream moisturizing ointment to keep a protective barrier over the area. And uh, sometimes I'll need to do a little, a short course of corticosteroids just to reduce the inflammation. Kids usually don't mind it as much as the parents, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so Aquaphor coated all day long and until the habit can break and, um, or the Vanicream moisturizing ointment, I like a little bit better because it's free of all the chemicals and dyes and anything that can be allergic in people. So that's kind of what I recommend for that. All right. Can you mention, um, and I think we talked about this earlier a little bit, the impetigo or impetigo? Yeah, impetigo is a bacterial infection of the skin and it can happen, you know, if you have eczema, it can jump in there. So um, it's a staph infection usually. Sometimes it could be a strep infection and it could even look like blistery sometimes. Um, it's pretty characteristic if you've ever had it, you know what it looks like and it can happen uh, it can look like yellow crusts around the nose is a common area or it can mm-hmm. happen anywhere in the skin. And it's really common in kids. It's super contagious. It jumps from one kid to another kid, especially if they're in school or daycare. Oh, and, okay. um, yeah, I, I'm not big on treating it with oral antibiotics because, you know, we try to preserve our gut microbiome because it might work short term, but then long term you have other problems. So I usually prescribe a medication called Bactroban or Mupiracin. Topically for that, because you do need a prescription for that 
or in potato, it is an infection of the skin and it needs to be treated with a, with a medication. But it looks like yellow crusting, honey colored crust is what we call it. Okay. Blisters or even sometimes like erosions, you know, like when a blister pops and then you have that kind of sore area there afterwards, like people will get with a cold sore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's how you treat that. It can happen anywhere, but it usually happens above the waist. Gotcha. The reason I bring up all this stuff is because I feel like in the wintertime, you know, like all these things are happening simultaneously. You know, we got the, the skin is drying out. Kids are licking their lips. They're picking it, this, that and the other. And things just start to spread. And one thing can look like another. Um, and uh, so I appreciate you kind of covering all those different things, because um, as you said, they are treated differently. Some are bacterial, some are just, you know, breaks in the skin that need to be moisturized. So. So they all come from a barrier deficiency. So if the barrier is maintained, it will act as it's the protective barrier it's supposed to be. So if the immune system is balanced, if the barrier is maintained, so humidifiers sometimes in the winter, uh, you know, because when we turn the heat on in the house, it dries everything out even further. And I know when I was a kid, I get bloody noses as soon as the fall came because I just, all my airways dried up. Yep. Um, yeah. And then just avoiding the soap. I mean, until your children start having smell and even then only under their arms and their groin, we overuse soap in this, in this country. And I typically recommend a cleanser rather than a harsh soap. So like if you like sudsing, Castile soap is okay. But for the most part, I like uh, Cetaphil Restoraderm or, or CeraVe. CeraVe. And you look over the counter. Okay. Nothing fancy. All right, Dr. Jen, one more topic while we're talking about kids, and that is warts. Can you talk to us about kids and warts? Sure. Yeah, warts are really common in kids. And the reason for that is because your immune system just hasn't recognized the virus that causes warts yet. So that's why, you know, kids can rub their feet against an adult. And we've been exposed to that virus, just like we've been exposed to the stomach flu as a kid and, you know, all the other things. And they'll get it and we won't. Oh, wow. Really? I had no idea. That's very... I know, right? So everything we do for wart treatment, whether we're putting kids through painful treatments in the office, trying to freeze their warts off, or you try to do the at-home stuff or application topically, it's a little bit to kind of try to peel away the wart, but the main thing is just to irritate it and cause inflammation. So we're trying to use inflammation on, on our side here so that uh, your the immune system of the child will come to the area to you know figure out why it's inflamed and then sure. say boom I recognize the virus let's kill it now and that's why warts just disappear overnight when they're ready to go away and why treatments don't work very well. Oh my gosh, yeah, um, that's so interesting. I I didn't realize that it was basically you know uh, an immune response that modulates that. So what do you recommend then when kids? You know, because it seems to me that when kids get one, like it's usually like two or three more follow pretty quickly. They're a virus. So, you know, if a child has one on his index finger, I say, don't pick your nose because it's going to go on your nose. You know, it will just go around. So I have to tell you, I don't treat my, I didn't treat my kids. They both had warts and they were kind of frustrating, you know, and my husband would get upset at the way they looked. And I just said, just leave them alone. You know, I might've put like some retinoid like some retin-a on there or some tazerac which is another type of a that kind of peels things away and causes some irritation but for the most part i didn't treat them and they both went away and 90 percent of the time they go away with no treatment within two years so i always make sure that people understand that no treatment is a treatment right wow and then as far as treatments go there's over-the-counter salicylic acid higher percentage than you use on your face 
that you use like a two percent on your face. This is seventeen percent to forty percent, right? And um, that can be applied to the area and covered up with duct tape or, or medical tape at night, and then just repeat it every night, you know, until it goes away. And then in the office, we have all sorts of different treatments that can be done. I just have done it for so long. I don't really like causing pain in kids to, you know, try to freeze them off. Yeah. It's just not my favorite thing to do because I know they go away on their own, you know? Gotcha. I, I had no idea they go away on their own. Um, yeah, they do. And there's, there's a recent study showing that reishi mushrooms actually increase, they improve the immune system to attack HPV virus. And this is a type of HPV virus. It's not the same one as the genital one, but it's the same one. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. Wow, I'm learning lots of stuff today. Thanks, yeah. Dr. Jen. On, like similar to warts is something called molluscum contagiosum, and that's another virus. That's a pox virus. It's just a different virus. And in adults, it's sexually transmitted. We see it in the groin. But in kids, they happen everywhere, and we don't consider it sexually transmitted because it's found on toys and all over. The thing about molluscum is it loves moisture and it loves humidity. So like if I see it under a diaper or you know, yeah. in a baby or in clothing, I just say like air it out, you know, like yeah. don't, don't run around with the diaper on, like just let the baby air out and yeah. the, the lack of moisture will help it go away. And the Thank treatments you. are the same for that, but it goes away much quicker because it's, uh, it's not as hard. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was, that's really interesting. Um, and we'll be employing that here at my house. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going to wrap up episode one with you, Dr. Jen, but I want to give you an opportunity to let everyone know where they can reach you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm revamping my website now. It's it's not very informative, but that's Dr. Jen Haley, D-R-J-E-N-H-A-L-E-Y.com. And um, I'm the same on Instagram at Dr. Jen Haley. And then as far as the uh, teledermatology, which I do quite a bit of. I'm licensed in 18 states and I work through a platform called Dermatologist on Call. It's just dermatologistoncall.com. And I think you pay like 60 or $70 for a visit and you see a board certified dermatologist, me or someone else, whoever's in your state. So it works really well for acne or if you have a cold sore or shingles, you know, or hand dermatitis. Like these are things I see all day long. It works really well for that. And we can send medications to your pharmacy and make recommendations based on the pictures you upload. So that is, um, that's something that's good. That's come out of the COVID. Yeah, no, for sure. I learned some great stuff from you today. Uh, so I definitely appreciate it. And you, uh, your Instagram handle again. It's just Dr. Jen. Okay, great. So they'll find me if they're connected to you. Okay, great. Well, yes, um, I know you and I um, are we're on Instagram together all the time. So fun stuff. All right, great. Well, you have a wonderful day and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks again, Dr. Jen. Have a great time. Do you have an autobiology question for JLF? Ask it at autobiology.net and keep listening to see if your question has been featured. Follow JLF on Twitter and Instagram at autobiology underscore JLF. And remember, anyone can be an autobiologist.
This podcast is for information purposes only. Any of the discussions or products held herein are not in any way offered as prescription, diagnosis, nor treatment for any disease, illness, infirmity, or physical condition. Any form of self-treatment or alternative health program necessarily must involve an individual's acceptance of some risk, and no one should assume otherwise. Persons needing medical care should obtain it from a physician. Consult your doctor before making any health decision. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. The podcast host may have direct or indirect financial gains from products discussed on this podcast.